Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Conspiracy the Show. I'm Adam Todd Brown. Who are you? I'm Fizit Asani. We are your goddamn hosts today. Yes. This is this is a this is going to be the start of something magical. Not ma- magical is a weird way to put it. Yeah, I mean, I, I think positive and and fruitful. Fruitful for sure. We're going to get a lot of podcast episodes out of this. I think yeah. we might even do an entire like side podcast just about one aspect of this we might do that on pretty scary which is basically the 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 companion podcast to conspiracy the show so today's episode is basically a a pandora's box it is this is a pangea of (laughs) unpopular opinion shows we are talking about the amalgamation yes it's a portmanteau (laughs) a podmanteau it's a it's uh I should get lazy and just release it as both. <laughs> oh my god. Um yeah, this one's meaty. This is there is so much to this. We're talking about a group called the Finders. Yeah. Fell down a real rabbit hole yeah. yesterday researching this. This was my day. And as you'll you'll learn listening to this podcast, makes for a very dark day. Yeah. It was not it was not an upbeat experience. If this sounds familiar, it's because we actually, on episode 55 of this podcast, back when we were just learning to crawl. Yeah. Just babies. What episode are we now? <laughs> like 96. Okay. Not that long ago. Yeah. Like halfway into this. We did an episode about the uh, claim that Julian Assange was born into and raised in this weird like mind control sex cult called the family and it was on a general episode about cia related cults and we talked very briefly about this 1987 incident that happened in tallahassee florida involving this group called the finders and we just sort of scratched the surface and i sort of put it out of my head and then the other day the day before yesterday I was researching a completely different thing, which we'll probably cover later. And I find this link to this recent FBI document release Yeah, from my favorite website, vault.fbi.gov. <laughs> Fucking cannot recommend it enough. Yeah. The most requested document on vault.fbi.gov in the month of October. And released in October. Released in late October. Okay. And uh, pri- requested and then released? 
that's the thing. No one is quite sure why this is getting released right now. And these documents were um, created in 1993. Yes. And much of... 1993 and 1987. That's I, I remember the, it, the news, um, the news in Tallahassee. It, so it was... There was press involvement um, initially in, in 87, but were there right. documents from 87 as well? In that FBI release of documents, yeah. a lot of it is the initial police reports and investigations from 87. From 1987. And then that runs its course, which we'll get to. And then in 1993, there's another investigation. And the names have been redacted. The names... In the FBI files have been redacted, but some of the things they put in there, like some of the police reports, there's a Metro, a Washington Metro PD police report that has since been released related to this incident. And I think that is less redacted because there's different like YouTube videos and shit, surprise, that you can watch about this. And a lot of them have screenshots of these police reports and they're not redacted okay so which it's, is it's out fascinating there. to me yeah so much information is out there about this now and it feels like it it we were talking about mk ultra before this yeah and every bit of this has sort of an mk ultra feel to it because it's it's a lot of stuff about mind control and uh sex cults and yeah. programming people uh, to do your bidding. Yeah, and I think um, with with one way to um, program is creating trauma. Right. Yes, and often, uh, you know, I, I've heard that it's sex trauma at a young age. Childhood sex trauma is very impactful, of right. course. Yeah, and that's when you get into the, I guess, fringe conspiracy theories yeah. about the CIA. I don't know how fringe those theories are anymore, but that's that's a lot of what you you read and hear about like that's a lot of what like people still don't want to wrap their heads around it but that's a lot of what mk ultra was like when you dig into it it's not just that they were giving people lsd yeah like there were prostitutes involved and those prostitutes weren't like involved as subjects yeah being given lsd unknown unbeknownst to them the cia and we like we know this this isn't speculation the CIA ran a brothel in San Francisco in the 1960s. How do you think those women ended up working there? Like, it's not like they replied to a Craigslist ad. Yeah. Like, they were selected and groomed. And it's not, yeah, because it's not like the CIA can just pluck women off the streets and be like, all right, now fuck this rich guy for money and we might blackmail him over it in the future if yeah. we need to. Like, you can't just do that. Like, you need someone who's a little compliant. Like, I wonder what purpose it served. It was it to s- sort of store these women or have access to them. Well, um, what was what were the what was the goal of this brothel? The brothel in San Francisco, and there were probably others, but it was at a time when they were doing a lot of drugging people and observing what would happen. Yeah. And what's crazy about that is... Oh, yeah, and you have all kinds of people coming in as well in a brothel. Right. Yeah, and you can have... I mean, if you're employing these women, who knows, you know, who's who's the subject and who's in on what? Right. And what's 
really alarming about that is it's one thing for the CIA to have run something like this. And I mean, CIA, people associated with the CIA, you have to look into MKUltra and get all the names. Sidney Gottlieb, I think, is a name that comes up pretty regularly. But all these people that had ties to U.S. intelligence, there's this brothel. And the, the suggestion is, oh, well, we were just getting people high and sending women out to see what would happen. Yeah, But it's like, is that really all that was happening? Like your U.S. intelligence and one of the rumors or uh, suggestions that has come out about the Jeffrey Epstein thing is that what he was doing was, yes, throwing these sex parties, but one of the like no one's really sure how he made his money. Yeah. And one of the suggestions is he would bring people to these sex parties and there would be drugs and alcohol involved. And as someone got more and more fucked up and more comfortable throughout the night, they'd start sending younger and younger women in and they'd videotape it all. Yeah. And then the next morning that guy would wake up and Jeffrey Epstein would be like, Oh, guess what? Blackmail. You are investing all your money with me now or this tape comes out. So he's in the business of blackmail, but how, how many times can he get away with that? Uh, like, you I know, guess, his buddy of his rich buddy is going to, he's like, oh yeah, I'm going to get on that, you know, Jeffrey Epstein, whatever they call Alita plane, whatever. He's going to be like, hey, uh, just FYI, you might not want to do that. Uh, yeah, that's, uh, but that, I mean, that's but, always the question. Like, I mean, I'm sure, you know, like, I think maybe he could have done that, but I don't think, I think he probably had multiple sources of income. Maybe all, as you oh, yeah. CD, I don't know. Yeah, that's the thing that like. They know of one person that invested money with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Like he had one official client. And beyond that, it's real. like there are. And how much of his wealth comes from that one client? Do they know that amount? I don't think that one client has enough wealth for Jeffrey Epstein to own a private island off of what he would make investing that dude's money. Ah. There are, there was a really, I mean, we're kind of getting off course, but not really because this is sort of the same thing. But uh, there was a really interesting article that came out not long after Jeffrey Epstein went back to prison again, where it was uh, like money people, like financial analysts, Wall Street types, uh, who were all interviewed and asked to like, just sort of speculate on how he would have made his money. That's how unfamiliar his assets and finances are to everyone. Like he's like Trump in that yeah. way. Like we still can't get Trump's tax returns. Like we don't really know like how much money Trump has. Why is it so difficult to get these documents? Well, with Jeffrey Epstein, the question There's is, no do, paper do the documents even exist? Yeah. So in that way, like at that point, that he was running a blackmail ring is <laughs> as possible as anything else. It was part of it, the business. When it comes to how he made money. And that's kind of my thought when when I hear the CIA had a brothel in San Francisco in the 60s during MKUltra. It's like, is that all it was for? Was so you could monitor people when they were on LSD? Like you spent, MKUltra started in the 50s. And by that point, we're like a decade in. And you're still just going, oh, what's this going to do? Yeah. Like, you know what it does by then. Yeah. So what's the point of it 10 years later? And it feels like probably part of that because it's not like it's going to say CIA brothel. Yeah. 
outside. And it's not like someone's going to come to you and be like, dude, I know a great CIA place close to here. If you want to go do a bunch of drugs, fuck a bunch of women. No, it's like you're going to yeah. be some influential person who's in town and your rich friend comes to you and goes, want to do some Illuminati shit? Let's go to the secret brothel no one knows okay, about. So the clientele is aware of where they're going. To an extent, like if you go to a strip club yeah. and it turns out that strip club is full of government cameras that are going to use the footage on there to yeah. blackmail you by showing it to your spouse, are you just going to a strip club or are you going to a CIA black site? Yeah. Like they knew where they were going in that. And this is all like speculation, but no one's going to no one's going to be like, yeah, I'll go to the CIA place. So I'll let the government give me drugs and yeah. watch me have sex with women. That sounds amazing. No, you got to be tricked into that. Yeah. And like at that so there's point, a level of deception. This was a way to have some control over influential people. Money, maybe. Right. And when MK, what I was getting at with all of that is when MK Ultra was eventually shut down and exposed, one, it happened because of one incident, which is the same thing with the finders. Yeah. Uh, there was one box of documents that got stored in the wrong place and didn't get shredded. And it came out during the church committee and the CIA had to be like, you caught us. We were doing all of that shit. Sorry. We've since shut it down. And everyone was like, all right, sure you did. Yeah. But how do we know? Like one, pl- one box misplaced. It sounds like, you know, it sounds like a good Samaritan. Kind of. And it, that very well could have been what it was like just one, you know, as depicted so in the HBO series Succession. Yeah. I don't know if anyone watches Succession, but there is a scene where someone's tasked with shredding documents and he's like, oh, I keep a couple of these just in case. Yeah. And that you're right. That could have been exactly what it was. Someone could have been like, people might want to know about this well, later. It's interesting because the box, if you know, is full of juicy stuff. Juicy information. So it's just, you know, it could have been a box that wasn't, you know. And that's I'm the I'm sure there's plenty thing. of boxes with just paperwork for the sake of paperwork. That's the thing. That box, before that box was found, the yeah. CIA was like, all right, we were doing it, but it wasn't it yeah. wasn't massive. They were playing it down, but then they couldn't right. because it was completely exposed. And then that box of this, these like 20,000 documents comes out and they're like, yeah, you were right. It was massive because it turned out MK Ultra happened at I think it was 130 different hospitals and universities across the United States and Canada. So that's basically everywhere. Like it was happening to some extent to people without their knowledge uh, in a lot of cases all over the fucking country. And after it came out, instead of being like, maybe we need an alternative to the CIA because you have gotten a little out of control. We were like, all right, well, stop, stop that and uh, go back to being nice. Well, yeah, I mean, this and is they were abusive. Like, okay, it's... This is like... It's systemic ritual abuse of the American population. I mean, yeah, it's kind of like Nazi shit. Yeah. In, the, in, in terms of their research practices. It's in that even in some of these Finders documentaries, that exact thing comes up, is that uh, it seemed like the goal of the Finders was to produce a race of, like, perfect super people yeah and what's interesting is this all 
so when MK Ultra gets shut down and all of that uh, experimenting on people who were unaware of it stops, what starts in the 80s? Mm. Uh, the satanic panic and kids just getting fucking kidnapped left and right. Like uh, kids got kidnapped forever, but I grew up in the 80s. So I very vividly remember the 80s being the era of kids getting snatched off the fucking street. Yeah, because in most, you know, people weren't concerned about that until it started happening so frequently. Like, you know, people left their doors unlocked at night. I used to. All the time. I would have been six, seven, maybe. I used to walk to this convenience store by my house, like by my standards as a kid, it was by my house. Yeah. I would drive there as an adult. That's how fucking lazy I've become <laughs> because in all actuality, it was like eight blocks. Yeah. And I would walk that shit by myself as a kid day and night. My parents didn't give a fuck. No one cared. That's when they started putting like um, faces, missing faces on the milk boxes, right? The milk cartons. It was the Adam Walsh thing. Okay. That yeah. really kicked that off and i think and you're right that's when faces on milk cartons started i I wonder how much knowledge he has of of this sort of thing because if so many kids disappeared and they were being smuggled into these programs you know i mean he he it's personal for him and he would be he would be an interesting person to ask about this because and we're talking about john walsh obviously adam walsh's dad Because he seems like someone who'd be very, like, by the book in law and order and wouldn't entertain a wild theory like this. But that all flies out the window when your kid goes missing and they only find his head. Like, because that's what happened with Adam Walsh. They never found his body. They just found his head. how young was his son? I think he was eight, like seven or eight. And I was like seven or eight at the time. My name was Adam. Yeah. Uh, Still is. (laughs) Uh, So I remember that shit vividly. And, like... From then on, like stories of kids going missing, it was like 10,000 kids go missing every fucking day. And it's like every day, probably not. But like, that's what the statistics felt like back then. Yeah. I mean, I remember in the early 90s as well. That's when I started retaining memories. Um, (laughs) You know, like it's yeah, it did seem like that was something to fear. Like someone getting, you know, getting snatched up. Yeah. Don't talk to strangers. Don't take candy from strangers. Was that a moniker? Don't take candy from strangers in the 70s or the 60s? Uh, yeah, I don't think so. I don't think, I, I feel like stranger danger and all that yeah. wasn't as big of a deal back yeah. then. Like, I don't know. Like, I was born in 76. So, like, I remember the mid to late 80s pretty well. But yeah. I, I just remember, I remember kidnappings and I remember the satanic panic. Yeah. And that's what a lot of those child disappearances, you would see it attributed to that. Like, are. In the press? Yeah. Like, there were all of these, like, daycare operators who went to prison. There's a great documentary about it. The same group that pushes shaken baby syndrome, which, if you look into shaken baby syndrome, mostly a myth. Because. Well, think about, like, everyone has seen those demonstrations of a baby being shaken. Yeah. And you see that head flopping back and forth. That is a baby. Their neck would snap. And if there is a diagnosis of shaken baby syndrome and there's no neck injuries, 
it's not shaken baby syndrome. You cannot inflict those injuries through shaking without, without breaking the neck first, without yeah. injuring the neck. So it's a false, it, it's a cover up. And what happened is the same group that pushed the satanic panic in the 80s got behind the idea of shaken baby syndrome. And even the, the doctor who first suggested shaken baby syndrome could be a thing was like, yes, but only if there's neck injuries present. If there's no neck injuries, that's not shaken baby syndrome. It's you, something else. Well, yeah, you'd have to put a lot of effort into shaking the baby very differently. Right. To, to not break, like to shake the baby, but keep the neck secure. And and that probably could cause some damage as well. But yeah, and th- that group took what he said and they were like, okay, everything except the neck thing, let's go. And they got this law put in place where if a doctor sees these three symptoms, uh, they immediately have to notify authorities because those three symptoms can only be caused by shaken baby syndrome. And that's a lie. Those symptoms can be caused by vitamin D deficiency. They can be caused by a fall. They can be caused by something like 26 different conditions. But the same group that convinced everyone in the 80s that daycare operators were out here committing uh, ritual satanic abuse, once that got exposed as not being the case, they moved on to, okay, well, now shaking baby syndrome is the problem. And all these parents all across the country are shaking their fucking kids and killing them. And if you look into all these parents who are in prison for it, no neck injuries. Mm-hmm. They, like the, the guy who's looked into it the most has not found a single case of neck injuries being present where these parents went to prison. So is it a framing of the parents of if they, you know, they f- fucked up and killed the kid? Yeah. It, and, it, and whatever experiment or the only thing I can. Well, the only thing I can think of in terms of that is like, it's got to sort of be a private prison thing. Yeah. Like maybe a way to keep people who wouldn't normally go to prison, uh, keep them part of the prison population. I have no idea why the people behind the satanic panic moved on to shaken baby syndrome. But the thing about the finders and what makes all of that really confusing for me is we all know the satanic panic happened. Almost every parent or daycare operator who was convicted under that was subsequently uh, acquitted and released. I think one person might still be in prison, and even they probably shouldn't be. So the the inclination is to go, okay, yeah, well, that's all bullshit. Uh, there was no ritualistic abuse of children by any group in the 80s. And then this fucking finders thing yeah. happens in 1987 in Tallahassee. And it's like, okay, but maybe it was happening a little, and... We shouldn't have been so quick to write it off. Yeah. And it. what's really uncomfortable about the finders and going down this rabbit hole, I'm sure you probably experienced this too, very Pizzagate-esque. Yeah, yeah, that's, I immediately thought of that. Because Pizzagate is, it sounds insane yeah. that a sex trafficking ring would be operated by elite educated types working out of Washington, D.C., and doing it through a local pizza place. 
I always wonder, like, why why do, like, successful rich men love fucking kids so much? Or so many of them. It just seems like a disparate, I don't know. It's Yeah, it's got, like... Or maybe, I don't know, it's, there. there's a fringe within that group. I don't know, it just seems like a disproportionate percentage. I don't know. It, 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 am I wrong? No, it does, I, I mean, I guess, I don't know, I I feel like saying, yeah, rich rich dudes are going to molest you, like... <laughs> I don't want to put that out there because yeah. I feel like you should just be on guard in general around adults. If you're danger, a child, danger. like, and maybe it's just because of the satanic panic and uh, aliens abducting all the kids in the eighties, which is another theory that's out there about it. I don't know. Yeah. Like, I feel like you have to want to fuck kids to be able to answer that question. Yeah. Or be just, you know, a ruthless pragmatist who sees, uh, yeah. an opportunity. And, but that's the thing is what's the, yeah. Imagine hat like just, why, why does the government have a hand in sex trafficking? Well, it's weird. One of the, if you get deep enough into the, this finders investigation, at one point it's suggested that the CIA didn't mean for this to turn into a sex cult. It just kind of turned into a satanic sex cult. And they were like, oh, fuck. Like, we were just trying to... I like, swear to God, the CIA, I don't know what they do to people, but... They need a sitcom. Yeah, but people come out of there just fucked up, and then the CIA has to clean up their mess, and, like, they create these quote-unquote monsters. Yeah. And then it's like, you know, like... I mean, look at, you know, the war on terrorism and all that shit. You know, who put people in power? Yeah, it's the reason I bring up MK Ultra one because I do sort of with how prevalent cults were in the 80s, like regardless of the satanic thing, whether they were influenced by Satan or not, just the sheer number of cults that became a big, big deal in the 80s, including Scientology, which if people are unfamiliar, the founder of Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, was in the Navy before he started Scientology. All of these cults that spring up in the 80s after looking through all this finder shit, it just sort of makes me wonder if when MKUltra shut down, if the CIA was like, okay, no more universities and hospitals, Let's create communes. We need to get off the grid. Yeah. And maybe using, you know, former military to right. be a point or, you know, it, or as a pawn even. It, Dep- I don't know how in they, I mean, to yeah. be the leader of a commune, I feel like there has to be some sort of delusion. Well, one of the weirdest, and people try to write this off all the time. We did an episode about it, but we just scratched the surface because there is a, I think, 28 part magazine article that I think was eventually turned into a book about how every single influential member of that Laurel Canyon music scene in the 60s, like Neil Young, The Doors, uh, The Birds, fucking David Crosby, all of those motherfuckers are military children. All of them. That entire fucking scene is... in. You can make the argument, well, World War II happened, so a lot of people, like, joined the military or went to the military, and then, like, Vietnam started, and so, of course, but all of them? Like, all of them? Every single fucking one? Yeah. All military kids just, by fucking chance, show up at Laurel Canyon at Frank Zappa's house at the same time and start the counterculture movement, and we're supposed to be like, yeah, there's no government involvement there like of course there's some 
I mean, and, it makes you raise a brow. Yeah, of course. At least, at least one, you know? And when you look into all of these different cults and communes that popped up in the 80s, a lot of them popped up off American soil or moved to uh, off American soil. Yeah. And the CIA isn't supposed to operate on American soil. And if you dig into the details of these individual groups, a lot of times you fucking end up at the CIA. You end up having questions about where they get their money and why they were allowed to go the places they went, which is a thing you see here. Because you know they're on the radar. Of course. They're absolutely on the radar. So it's, you know, who knows? You know, you might make a deal. Like if this network just set up a fucking commune in Idaho, we'd get it. Someone would come infiltrate us. Like if I was like, (laughs) I'm taking these fucking messages about Trump to a goddamn mountaintop in Idaho. Yeah. It would be Ruby Ridge part two. Like I would, yeah. I would, I would get shot. Probably the government does not take kindly to that. Yeah. So of course, all these groups were on the government's radar. Yeah, and 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 in the good graces. Yeah, it it seems that way, and it feels like the finders could be that box of documents moment for the second half of MK Ultra today or this month, right? Where. We know MK Ultra shut down in theory. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, but they're probably still doing it somehow. I feel like these documents could be the thing that if it's honestly investigated and looked into enough, we might find out MK Ultra continued and it continued as communes and cults. Yeah, I mean it is very Which is the logical way to continue it. Yeah, off the grid, um, no paper trail and you can like if you're the entity that's supposed to be responsible for for observing and controlling these groups, then you have the power there. Right. So let's talk about this Tallahassee incident. And that's where it, it it's odd. It's very odd for it was five kids. Uh, I think it was six. It was either five or six. Six yeah. kids discovered um, in dirty clothes with two men in suits. Yeah. That's just an odd visual. Yeah. In that, itself. that alone. I'm already out. It's like, yeah. get a fucking woman in that van, please. Like, this this is a nightmare. Well, and it's like you, two guys put together and five kids who've, who have not lived yeah. in society. They look like street children. Yeah. And these dudes are well-dressed, well-put-together, wearing suits. They're traveling in a van. So what happens? February 4th, 1987, Douglas Ammerman, 27, and James Michael Howell, sometimes called Michael Houlihan, 28, are pulled over in a van in Tallahassee after a woman calls the police and says uh, these two well-dressed men were just at the park with these two kids that she described as scruffy and hungry. <laughs> so and if a kid looks hungry, yeah. that's an issue. You know what I'm saying? If a kid is hungry, it's yeah. like, okay, there's there that kid needs to be attended to, but they're looking hungry? Yeah, it's a set like with the fucking Sarah McLaughlin dog commercials. Yeah, when you see a dog that's all skin and bones, you're like, get that good boy some food. Yeah, you I'm just, sure it's the same with kids. You want to adopt them? Yeah, with, exactly. Like in the send a dollar a month type of way. And these were like these were like feral kids. Like most of them, uh, according to police reports, like didn't recognize modern things like yeah. telephones and typewriters and like. I, I think they. I read. In one of the articles that only one of the kid was a one of the children was able to give information to the yeah, police. They were mostly non-communicative except yeah. for the oldest girl who is identified as Mary. 
and all of the kids are identified only by their first names. John, Franklin, Max, Mary, BB, and Honeybee. Hmm. Again, Honeybee, <laughs> get those kids to the police right just, now. You're just setting her up for success, right? And when they ask these two dudes what they're doing with these kids, their response is, we're transporting them to Mexico so we can establish a school for brilliant children. I mean, and... I mean, flattering for those kids, I'm sure. But it's just like, you don't want to give them a bath or a yeah. snack? You don't want to fly? Brilliant? You don't want to, like, you take fly care of them? There? Yeah. Like, feed them? Do anything? Throw them in the back of... They're so brilliant. Just throw them in the back of a van. Like, they're not showing any value... They also kids. told police that the kids were being weaned from their mothers. Okay, that's, I mean, come on. Yeah, that's a problem. That's a red flag. That's a huge red flag. And they claim the parents were in Washington, D.C., which that part's important. So the police are like, all right, we should probably just arrest you. Like, yeah, this feels like a really big problem. And this was a local Tallahassee police. Tallahassee PD. And when they say that they're going to arrest these men, Michael Houlihan falls face down on the ground and refuses to stand up. But they arrest him anyway, mm-hmm. as you do. I don't. I don't know if he thought playing dead was going to work. Oh, he okay. Like he he, was he just like, like he had an aneurysm or something. Yeah, like he fainted or something. Yeah, Jesus. And the police search this van and they find uh, a stash of fake IDs, more than twenty floppy disks a TSR-80 computer, a Chinese-to-English translation dictionary, and a device used to connect two computers via a phone line, which we know now is a a modem. Yeah. But police in 87, it's like fucking ancient Egypt seeing spaceships. And they're like, look, it's a flaming bird. They just, I mean, they described it pretty accurately. I mean, they nailed it in 1987 tech terms. So the police were initially unable to, to locate the parents another huge problem yeah i mean like when you think of kids under the age of six it's just like it's i just remember being upset when my parents left at that age right you know like it's just i think there's something in development where like that time that bonding with the parent like it's 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 a little traumatizing to just like not have your parents around like that well, so maybe I, it would have been less traumatizing if you were weaned off your mother at a younger age. Yeah, If yeah. you had been thrown in a van. I guess I just wasn't considered brilliant enough to be taken here's to Mexico. A, here's a, if I was starting a yeah. school in Mexico for just brilliant people yeah. now. It's never too late. I, I, I would use you to found it. Well, I'm... I- <laughs> I can't I can't be in it. That's it's exactly, I passed my prime. That's exactly how I want to say it. I would use you to found it. I can't be uh I can't I'm not as in, influenceable or what is it called when you take drugs and people it's try nothing to LSD program won't you. fix. You can't program me. I don't know where we'd find drugs in Los Angeles is the problem. I though. know. That's, that's a tough one. So, yeah, all of these kids, uh, one important detail about this, very important detail, is the police initially said two of the children showed signs of sexual abuse. And I'll link to a documentary. It's not really a documentary. It's a like a 20-minute YouTube video that kind of lays out the timeline of this. And when you just hear the police say, oh, there were signs of sexual abuse, it's hard to wrap your head around what that means. And it is horrific. And I don't want to fucking say what it means, but they didn't just glance at these kids and go, hey, that kid's uh, been touched. Yeah. Like a doctor examined these kids and found signs of sexual abuse. Uh, so at this point, 
it's a problem. Yeah. And they still can't find the parents. All of the kids are uncommunicative. Uh, they're covered in bug bites, which is strange. Yeah. They would ask to go outside when they wanted to use the bathroom. One of them defecated on the floor of the police station, which that's kind of dope. Yeah, like I'd, I'd, yeah I'd maybe do that right now, given I mean, the chance. Yeah, he's starting a movement. Yeah. She, <laughs> they. Uh, the girl who was able to talk said that they had been living in a house with several other children and adults. They were only allowed to eat when it was a reward for good behavior. And even then, they were only given raw fruits and vegetables. She said a man called the Game Caller was their leader. And he told both the adults and children what to do. When asked about sexual abuse, she denied anything of the like had happened, but also got very uncomfortable and asked to end the interview at that point. And the next day, police confirmed that all of these people, the adults and the children, are part of this group called the Finders. So that's the Tallahassee portion of what happens and as crazy as all of that is it gets significantly crazier yeah like the investigations into this are nuts and the fbi documents the thing about fbi dumps and things like that if you just pull them up uh this isn't really the case with the Mueller report which i i bring up just because i hate when like people running for president are like I've read the Mueller report. Yeah. It's like, bitch, it's a book you can buy in stores. Yeah. You should have read the Mueller report the day it came out. Yeah. You're running for president. Yeah, thanks for doing your job. Yeah, I'm supposed to be impressed that you read a 400-page book this year? I mean, like, it's all relative now. Look at the standards of today. So. So. Reading. Right. A president who reads. But. So I get it when if, if, uh, and we'll link to the FBI documents on the website you click on it first it's pretty imposing yeah it's like 300 some pages i think maybe only 300 yeah but what you have to understand about that there's a lot of cover letters there's a lot of the same report filed multiple times so you don't have to read it and it's on a full page each time yeah it's it's not it reads faster than you would expect i got through all of it yesterday in a couple hours yeah and that's reading it thoroughly. Like you can also just sort of scan it. I mean, yeah, I just, I, I went through the first 10 pages pretty thoroughly in a few minutes. And the details in there are yeah. insane. So, but back to, I don't even know why I brought that up, but uh, back to the, this investigation, yeah. like, like we know all of this stuff about the finders, like this one Tallahassee incident, if this doesn't happen, I don't think we would probably know anything about this group. They slipped up. Right. That was a major slip on their end. And you know it's a slip up because of the things that happen next. Yeah. But the first thing that happens is Tallahassee notifies Washington, D.C. Because they, they after looking into the finders, realize they're located in Washington, D.C. So they call D.C. Metro, and Washington, D.C. is like, We know all about him. A confidential informant actually came to us a few weeks ago and was like, hey, I think there's a sex cult operating in the D.C. area. Uh, Might be buying and selling kids if you want to look into that. And they were like, maybe. They became aware pretty recently. Right. They had also just sort of become aware of this group. And which is crazy because this group was born out of the human potential movement, which started in the 70s. Yeah. So they'd been in 
existence and probably in the D.C. area for a while. What's the name of the leader? Something Petty? Morgan Petty. Do we know his history? That's what future episodes of this are going to be about. He is, again, like the Laurel Canyon thing. Mm. It's just a coincidence, obviously, that all of those famous rock stars are military children. With Morgan Petty, we're supposed to take his word that the fact that his wife worked for the CIA and his son worked for Air America, which was a famous CIA airline that basically ran drugs. We're supposed to take that as just coincidence in that this group has nothing to do with the CIA at all. Like there are interviews with him. I found some fascinating shit about this guy and we'll get into it because that's the thing. He doesn't even come up much in these early investigations because as we'll find out the investigation gets shut down so quickly and it's like well that's telling why is that guy who started a cult and is also married to someone in the cia like why did your investigation people are carrying vans of sexually abused children vans of sexually abused children and one of the things that comes out like after washington dc hears from tallahassee they conduct these raids on three different properties owned by the finders. There's a farm and then there's a warehouse and then there's a triplex that they own in Washington, D.C. Are these in close proximity of each other? They're in the same. Well, they're all in D.C. and D.C. is not huge. Yeah. But the farm, I think, was in Virginia. Yeah, it makes which, sense. Which is pretty much D.C. That's still Washington, yeah. D.C. So the all these different government agencies get involved because now there's the potential that kids are getting like taken from overseas or taken overseas and like these crimes might cross federal and state lines. So the custom service gets involved, the FBI gets involved and the CIA gets involved to some extent, but they're involved the least in the actual investigation. No reason. And, uh, I mean, you'd think that someone would want to send someone to do damage control. Yeah. And they sort of do like, that's one of the, but they have to be subtle about it. That's that's one of the suggestions yeah. here is that at one point someone goes, look, this is a CIA matter, pal. You need to back off. And people backed off. Yeah. Like, do we remember any huge arrests of a global sex trafficking ring in the no. 80s? I don't. So they launch these three simultaneous raids and they remove from a warehouse that was near one of the properties they remove multiple bags of photographs computer records and documents the photos are especially questionable here is a quote from u.s customs spokesman david hoover speaking to the washington post in 1987 we're not saying that it's pornographic but it has all the earmarks and so he's like we're not saying it but it is yeah And another customs inspector who did a what turns out to be a really important report that I think was just released as part of this FBI dump of files. The implication is that they're naked, like they're pictures of naked children. Yeah. And I mean, all the earmarks. Yeah. Like that's an earmark. Yeah. That's all. That's all I really need. Yeah. Like if you have multiple pictures of even your own kids yeah, naked. Yeah, one's plenty. Yeah. One's plenty. Yeah, one's a goof. Yeah. You, you, you caught your kid in the bath. <laughs> also, still don't even put that on Facebook. What are you doing? But. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, it's like, but if you have, like, stacks. Yeah. And they're all different kids, it's like, well, you're, there's a little collection going on yeah. here. What's up? Yeah, you have you have some explaining to do. <laughs> explaining. And there were also, 
several photos of children processing or slaughtering goats. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I remember reading that. And uh, several images depicting children involved in bloodletting ceremonies while surrounded by men in white robes. And it, it sounds ritualistic to me. And this is, this is in a U.S. Customs agent's report about what they found. And that's the moment where I'm researching this, and I'm like, okay, was the satanic panic completely fake? Like, yeah, because they also report finding a clearing behind one of these homes. Yeah. That looked like it had been used for, which was a thing people would say all the time in the 80s, like when they were like, ooh, Dungeons and Dragons. But also it's like the fucking clearings were there with the rocks around them. Like, why? Like, why were so many of those popping up? And it just, those pictures, like in that initial investigation in 87 and all the newspaper articles around it, which fascinatingly enough, you can just Google and still read all of the Washington Post's coverage about this. This was a huge story. Oh, yeah. You just sent me a link. And yeah, yeah you, and I actually didn't realize it was from the 80s until I went back and I saw the date. And I'm like, oh, this is just readily available. Yeah, there's multiple. There's was, an was associated. Was it even HTTPS? Was it even secure? I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> don't put your credit card information in. Don't give them to the finders. Use code on POPs. Yeah, check out if you do, though. <laughs> we get a little 15% kickback from the finders. Good way to track and see who's, you know. Yeah, who's the finders now, yeah. right? Uh, so this U.S. Customs official, his name's Ramon Martinez, he wrote the report that mentions all of this crazy shit that he found. Also mentions finding several documents about obtaining or purchasing children. Mm. And his report is... I mean, that's hand in the cookie jar shit. It really is. And you would think with all of that, this would have become a bigger deal. Unless... Unless there was someone at a really high level in government. Because this investigation, Customs investigates it. The FBI investigates it. D.C. police look into it. Tallahassee police. It's on the radar and then it disappears. Yeah. And then eventually they just shut it down and everyone's like, what? Like, what do you mean? But that was the 80s. So what, what the fuck were we going to do? Go on the internet and get mad about it? Not yet. And so the, the Ramon Martinez files this report and based on all of this, especially customs and the DC police are like, is this a child porn ring or like a child sex trafficking ring? Which is uh, something you obviously want to investigate further uh, and put a stop to if you can. And then a really weird thing happens, as if this isn't weird enough already. A few days after the investigation starts, there's this student on the campus of Florida State University. In Tallahassee. In Tallahassee, who just finds a computer in a phone booth. And this is 87. It's not like... So, yeah, commuters aren't laptops. They aren't, yeah. they aren't Air Mags. This <laughs> is it, like... Yeah. Someone didn't drop their iPad. There's a couple boxes full of shit. It's heavy. Yeah. And not only do they find a computer... The 80s. Did it, was it the phone booth? Was the phone booth itself the computer? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Did he mistake yeah. it as a phone booth? <laughs> exactly. It's like just the computer stacked on itself. And this computer he finds, unbeknownst to him, <laughs> exactly like the computer found in the van when they pulled those two men over with those Same five computer. kids. Same kind of computer. Okay. 
And this student finds his computer and is like, free computer. I'm going to go home and uh, fuck around with this. Yeah. And he takes it home and he finds all of this like inside information about the Tallahassee police investigating the finders. And it is never addressed how the person who owned that computer had all this information about the Tallahassee PD's police report. Who initially owned the computer? Do we know that? They just know it was someone who was tied to the finders. And and it was left. I mean, if you leave something like that in a phone booth, it's meant to be found. Either that or you know the police are closing in on you and you're fucking fleeing. And you're just leaving your shit out in the open? Well, you're probably not wanting to send... This is my theory of how that computer ends up there. Yeah, you have to haul it. I think... Get it out to... Someone associated with the two men who were arrested found out that they were arrested. And we know these computers were used to communicate with each other, presumably so they weren't having their phones tapped or having to communicate in that way. And they had internet access and modems. Right. Whatever they called it back then. And... The one thing you see in any TV show or movie about organizations trying to avoid police detection, especially in the 70s, 80s, 90s, they use pay phones. Yeah. So if you know that you're part of this huge fucking child sex trafficking ring and it's like two of your members just got arrested with five fucking kids in a van. Yeah. You know, it's time. There's probably some sort of like message that's going to go out on that network of computers to say all right everyone fucking shut it down go into hiding shit just got real yeah and if you're sending that message you're probably doing it thinking like all right i need to get the fuck out of here right now and either in a panic you leave the computer behind or you just don't want to be bogged down by running away with it or also you know that even if the police find it and know that it's just an odd placement well i think they they had to connect to the phone booth to oh gotcha so they needed the they needed that that phone line sec- that line that police wouldn't have tapped gotcha and then it's just like fuck it i gotta get the fuck out yeah of here. because then yeah. if they find if they find it connected to your home phone or yeah. something or find that yeah, it's traceable a call went through your home number it's traceable but if they find it in the phone booth and the computer's still there like they might get your fingerprints or something but other than that it's like fuck you can you imagine just like the kind of pressure you must be under to haul that big ass computer to a phone booth and then assemble it that's the thing too it's like you got to do that without being detected yeah it's like you're really slick yeah, people are, your partners suck. I mean, yeah. they got like you. You were able to take a computer and put put reassemble it in a phone booth, which is probably clear. And your partners are walking around with five dirty kids, six but dirty kids. That's probably why sloppy. That's probably why they use the campus of yeah. Florida State University because where else in the eighties mm-hmm. are computers. a bunch of people going to be carrying computers around? Than on the campus of Florida State University. So you could very easily walk around with this newfangled piece of equipment. I'm a student, play dumb. Yeah. Like, yo, this Either is- I'm a student or I'm like, I fucking fix computers. What do you want, kid? I'm at a place where there's computers. Yeah. Like, so that's, it's not gonna stand out. Mm, yeah. And I actually just thought about that. We're doing good work on this episode. Yeah, My God. We're uncovering some stuff, putting yeah. two and two together, getting like, four and shit. Thinking like child sex traffickers. 
Look at us. Well, you got to think like them to... <laughs> to podcast about them. Yeah, I guess yeah. so. Yeah, you know, like... Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. Woof. We're trying to understand. Yeah, but I I do think that's probably... That probably explains that phone. Yeah. Like, that phone booth. Why they use that phone booth. Because that's where... And that then you sense. just then you just leave that fucking computer and no one's ever going to find you. Because all you have to do is pull the jack out. Right. It's... I, I mean, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't even remember. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. It, was, it was pretty simple. Right? Well, this was like this was like pre-internet computers. Yeah. So, I mean, they had some version of the internet, obviously, but I don't know how this fucking thing worked. Yeah. But and it's interesting that a commune would have access to technology like this. That's the thing. As you dig deeper into this cult, they were that was part of their whole gig. They were a computer technology cult. I mean, <laughs> like, and you don't think of men walking around in suits slaughtering goats right you know it's a little odd and it's the 80s and what better way to get people into the fold just so you can be in front of them and talk to them especially if you're trying to get rich influential people if you not only have access to all of this computer technology but know how to use it and know how to harness it and can get in front of a rich person and be like, man, you wouldn't believe the shit you can accomplish with a computer. I'll show you how to use one. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're in the finders helping them traffic kids to China. And like, like you were recruited. Like we know that the Nexium cult that was just uncovered. What the fuck was that? Like that was mostly rich, successful people who were just looking for something else in life. They were so fucking smart. And so bored. And so bored with everyone in their life that they're like... Too much power and nothing to do with it is dangerous. Right. And that, like that's how rich Maybe. people get defrauded out of their money because they think they're so smart. And, well, I would identify this person as a fraud if they were a fraud. Mm. And it's like, no, you're not that smart. You're just bored. And they know that and they're taking advantage of it. Yeah. Like computers in the 80s would be a great fucking way to get in with rich people. Like that's pretty brilliant. Yeah. And that's what this group did. They were like, they would go around, travel around the world. Like when we get into talking about Marion Petty and the, the game caller, that's uh, what they called him. He would, they called him the game caller because. The leader of the finders. Right. Yeah. They called him that because these people would wake up and be like, all right, what do you need us to do today? And he'd be like, uh, go make a hundred dollars. He's a shot caller. Yeah. And it wouldn't be about, well, we need $100. It would be about, well, get out there in the world, uh, leave the house right now with nothing to your name, and come home with $100. Like, whatever you got to do, fucking do it. And that, if you're putting young people and developing minds through shit like that, like, you're doing that for a purpose. You're doing that to train people. And the term game finder, there we have the word game in there, and you're talking to children. Right. So that is one way to, you know, I think in the second article that you sent me, it was revealed that his explanation for the goat sacrifices and the bloodletting was the goats were troublesome and we wanted to make it a game for the kids. And so we could, you know sacrifice right. kill the goats and then eat them later and the bloodletting you know maybe something for theatrics but it's just like again these this seems very adult very adult you know so it's 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 it's, it's a manipulation technique like why are you playing these type of games with kids right and so they find this phone booth computer yeah 
And shortly after that happens, another DC Metro cop reveals that another thing they found in that warehouse, a bunch of books about mind control. So now it's like, what the fuck is this? Is this DC cop a whistleblower? No, that's one of the weird and kind of unfortunate things that you get to later in this is there's these couple of cops who are like, yeah, we found all this like possible child porn shit. We found stuff about buying kids. We found mind control books. And then at one point, all that evidence disappears. They turn it over to, I think, uh, DC police. Yeah. And eventually DC police are like, there's none of that mm. in the evidence you gave us. Yeah. And that was Ramon Martinez who turned all that evidence over. Yeah. And was like, all right, I'm trusting you to take this and do the right thing with it. And then when he went back to access it later, they were like, it doesn't exist. What? We've never heard of any of that, which that's strange as fuck. Yeah. That I mean, all of the incriminating evidence just goes away. Then you saw it. He saw it himself. Right. It was in his hands and now it doesn't exist. Hmm. And a, uh, the next day, a Virginia investigator with knowledge of the group. This is the part where Marion Petty finally comes into uh, the story. Uh, there's this Virginia cop who has some uh, familiarity with the finders. And he's like, uh, hey, if you get too close to Marion Petty, he is going to go to Andrews Air Force Base and get on a military plane and fly to China. And I feel like that was that investigator being like, all right, let me say that again slowly. He's going to get on a military plane and fly to China. And like How would you have access to a military plane? And I'd like to also point out that a piece of evidence found in the truck was a, wasn't a Chinese dictionary. Chinese to English translation dictionary. Also, one of the girls, uh, the, the girl who could communicate when she was interviewed by police claimed a Chinese man who she only knew as Chinese man way to be racist kid yeah. well, uh, the 80s taught her to count to 10 in Chinese and then she counted to 10 in Chinese for this cop and after all of that all of this evidence and speculation and suggestion that these people are taking kids to and from other countries for possibly unsavory purposes the investigation gets shut down. It is determined that no laws are broken, no federal laws, no state laws, no children have been abused, and the investigation just gets shut down. And in the article, they um, they soften the language significantly from yeah. cult and... Um, they, they describe these people as uh, living an alternative lifestyle. And there's even a cult expert who is interviewed and is like, these people aren't a cult. They're just, they're trying to help people. They're liber They're described as liberals all the time. They're described as women who want to help people. And it's like, uh, you sure? I mean, what happened to all the other, you know, the evidence in the contrary, you know? Yeah. What about the dirty kids? The dirty kids, the fact that they were only eating raw fruits and vegetables, uh, the fact that most of them didn't know what indoor plumbing or electricity was, like the bug bites. It's like, documented. There's so many documented things that happened. And then this investigation just got shut down. And for the longest time, that's kind of where the story ended. And then these FBI files come out at the end of October or end of last, last month. month. Yeah. And oh man, there is 
so much more to this fucking story. Yeah. Uh, for one thing, it picks up again in 1993, yeah. which will be the next episode of this, where the, the investigation starts all over again. And again, just sort of goes nowhere. But these FBI documents, they reveal a lot of crazy things about just this time period. And the thing about what we said earlier about this uh, having some Pizzagate vibes to it. One of the things that this is in the fucking official FBI documents, there is a drawing of this fucking building in the FBI documents. Uh, one of the things that they turned up or one of the things they found in that initial raid back in 87, a preschool tied to the group was discovered in the DC area. It had two tunnels one of them extending all the way to the front yard of the triplex next door, which the finders also owned. The entrance to the tunnel in that front yard was obscured from public view by a three-car garage. A hole was discovered in the bathroom floor of one of the apartments that possibly connected with those tunnels in the preschool next door, but it had since been filled in. And that school was outfitted with a fire alarm system that could be triggered by any of a series of light switches, but the alarm did not connect to the local fire department. It was just an internal alarm. Yeah. Like as if it was like shit's going down, run. Yeah. Hit those fucking tunnels, go to the triplex, leave through the front yard. Red flags galore. And when the police were finally able to talk to more of these kids, yeah. they all described going in and out of a tunnel entrance. That was exactly where the police found it. So that feels like some satanic panic shit. Like that feels like a a preschool set up solely for ritualistic shit. Well, you're doing something with the kids. You're definitely doing something That's not with the kids. Regular school. They also found a small white plastic plate with three pentagrams on it in the dirt near well, the children's play area. There's the um, Satanist Satan ritual stuff. And then there's the pictures. There are pictures of these kids we mentioned earlier, like slaughtering goats yeah. and uh, bloodletting blood ceremonies. And one of the moms eventually shows up and testifies about that. And this is what she said. This is the shit that gets this investigation shut down and they determine everything's normal. This is verbatim from the FBI files. The pictures of the children with slaughtered goats was not a ritual sacrifice, but rather an attempt at a hands-on experience one mother who wasn't sure that the ordeal was necessary or that she approved she indicated that only the three men were present at the time thought that the experience was well-intentioned as as a experience for the children to learn she likened the slaughter to that of what is done in conventional biology classes Several mothers indicated that the robes being worn by the men were actually sheets the men wore during the slaughter to protect their clothing. The slaughter of the two goats on the Virginia farm was at the end of the summer and the goats couldn't be left there alive. The meat from the goats was taken back to Washington, D.C. to the group where they ate the meat. The children had the experience to see where meat comes from, an experience that most children don't get while they are growing up. I don't fucking believe that. Well, especially if the goats were initially pets. Right. That's traumatizing. And and like, what does the goats were problematic or the gr goats were troublesome? Like, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, they just 
like became a burden because then that does imply, well, they used to be pets. And so we had the kids kill those pets. And it's like, that's not a hands-on experience. That's not normal. You're doing something fucking weird. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, some people would say it's murder. Yeah. Animal abuse. And they ate the meat or they say they ate the meat, but there's no way to track that. And it's happening at a time when all of the country is up in arms about satanic abuse at fucking daycares and now there's this fucking daycare with police investigation with all these fucking tunnels and warning systems and tunnels that lead to an escape next door i mean a fire alarm that's only internal not collected right connected to any department like local fire department that's crazy that that's that's very suspect it's super suspect to say the least and but by far the craziest detail to come out of that FBI file, I mean, this isn't the craziest, but the revelation that as far back as 1987, which was a few days after the Tallahassee incident, there was already talk of the finders having some sort of connection to the CIA. The files you mentioned that start in 93, yeah, I think they open by saying, we want the Department of Justice to open an inquiry into whether United States intelligence used the finders as part of a like global sex trafficking scheme. Yeah, there is some finger pointing at um at inter- that's why I was asking you earlier is this internal is one group looking at another and there's always sort of this I, I wouldn't call it maybe a competition between FBI yeah. and was it CIA? It was CIA. That that's what looking at? that's what hap- like one of the documents from 1987 that is most interesting this one that talks about cia involvement one of the uh, customs agents managed to talk to the cia and i think it was ramon martinez and he talks to the cia and they tell him that this uh, woman who worked at the cia was also a member of the finders and it just so happened that in her last couple of years with the CIA, which also overlap with her years in the Finders, she traveled to Moscow, North Korea, and North Vietnam. This is in between 69 and 71, when we were fucking at war yeah. in Vietnam. And the customs agent is like, like, this is in his report. He says to the CIA agent, well, you know, only you could have arranged that. Like, no American could get... To, a travel agent to yeah, you can't just, vacation in North Vietnam. Yeah, you can't just go to North Vietnam when we're at war with North Vietnam. Like, only you could have arranged that. Yeah, Delta's not flying in there. And the CIA was like, yeah. Huh. And? And just, like, left it at that. That's like, it. they, they kind of, like, stonewalled him and were like, yeah, somewhat like we knew about this group. Uh, someone related to us traveled to these countries on their behalf. What of it? What are you going to do about it? And the answer was nothing like this. The investigation in 1987 gets fucking shut down and it's determined that no crimes were committed. So it was a very short lived investigation. It lasted like a week. Yeah, I think like it took like seven to ten days for between all of this evidence of a potentially global child trafficking ring to be uncovered. We went from that in like the span of seven to 10 days to going, it's nothing. Don't worry about it. And we don't know what happened to these two men that were found in Tallahassee. I think they, they were arrested and they, 
they went on trial. I think they eventually like were convicted of like misdemeanor child abuse or something, but nothing uh, that major. And one of the, I think the, we'll end on this because the, the 1993 stuff is a whole yeah. other episode. Well, it resurfaces. Yeah. Everything just pops right back up. And so it's like, well, what happened then? And really what happened last month where it's back again? Right. And I found a thing that I haven't seen mentioned. I'll save it for the next episode, but I haven't seen it mentioned in any of these articles, in any of these documentaries. And I'm going to dig into it more because I don't, I don't even, I'm not 100% sure what I'm seeing, but we know this 87 investigation happens. Uh, we know it pops up again in 93. And when it pops up again in 93, the finders are like the people who are responsible for speaking for them are like, we've never been associated with the government. Like why? Like, this is like our leader. He fucking tells stories. He's the game caller. And, yeah, and they, like, there's a lot of emphasis, I think, on humor in sort of defending right. their um, practices. It's like, well, we like to have fun and we're funny. This is supposed to be right. funny. I can see how it's not funny to you, but like it's supposed to be funny. And like, you know, as comedians, I'm like, I'm still trying to figure out how what they were doing is funny. Right. And one of the, the first things that comes up in the I actually tweeted a uh, screenshot of this. If you go out to my Twitter, you'll see it. It's a screenshot of the end of Ramon Martinez's report, which we'll talk about in detail in the 1993 episode. But he's like, basically, I think the CIA was using the finders to distribute misinformation, like as a, a, a means of distributing information. And all these 93 investigations happen and the finders are like, no, we've never been associated with the government at all. Well, in researching this yesterday, and I need to like look into it more to, to know exactly what it is, but the founder of the finders is on a 1991 congressional directory. And it's a, the section he's in is a section about approved media sources and approved media outlets. So, on the one hand, you have this guy saying, hey, the CIA is using this fucking sex cult to distribute information of some sort. And on the other to side, the masses? to the, I don't know, like he doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't specify. Doesn't specify. And then on the other side, you have the CIA and the finders being like, no, nah, there was never any relationship there. And then right in the middle of that, you have the founder of this group on a fucking congressional directory of approved media outlets and reporters. Like Mr. Petty, how does he get from being investigated for possible child sex trafficking in 87 to the goddamn congressional directory in 1991? That is what I want to find out and look into on the next episode. Sounds like he has a lot of friends in high places. It sure does. And speaking of that, the last line from the document that brought brought up CIA involvement in 1987, this could explain a lot about the group's funding, which we have been unable to document to this point. So despite all the shit they found in this investigation in 87, nothing saying where they're getting the money to jet set around the world and own all these properties. Where is that money coming from? Yeah, I don't know. yeah. I mean, Who knows? you can't trace the money. It might be some like 
funny business, you know? But And if you're not, if you're, you know, if you're able to get away with that and no one's saying anything. Yeah. And it, it feels like this is another thing where we all think about the satanic panic now and laugh about it because a lot of it was crazy. But also, did the CIA start that in case we ever found out about this? So they could be like, come on, that's satanic panic shit. Get the fuck out of here. And it's like, yeah, it is. But also... There's pictures, man. Yeah. We got the receipts. There's FBI documents. There's a connection between the two. And I mean, his wife, Mr. Petty, I don't remember his first name, but that Petty dude, his wife. Marion. I think I was calling him Morgan for a lot of this, but I think it's Marion. His wife and son, you said, were high up there. They're involved in the the CIA. And this this is a group that's tied in, like a lot of their beliefs are new age beliefs which we've talked about before uh, as being possibly like a satanic thing. And it's like, I don't know what to believe anymore. Like what's happening in the fucking world. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm always curious as to how organized everything is, Yeah, you know, it's because everyone has their own motives, but how organized are these, are these powerful people, powerful entities? Yeah. And it's like, you, you clearly like, you obviously have to be very organized to pull off a global trafficking ring but we know those things happen. Like yeah, we know there are organizations out there doing it. My um, cousin was telling me in Texas, in Dallas, there was a woman whose kid was just snatched right from her, just snatched and pulled into a car. I saw a surveillance video. I think this was in California, but a woman was at the store with her child and the front door of the store was like just a little propped open. Yeah. And this guy just fucking reached in and grabbed her daughter and tried to run. And like they caught him and yeah. beat the shit out of him. But that's pretty fucking brazen. And so what did they get any information from him? I mean, you know, I guess the the assumption is just he was, you know, a bad dude who wanted to snatch a kid. But it's just like someone like that, you know, if they are tied to a larger organization, that can be access to a lot of information. Right. You know, and it's just like, I feel like that's something you have to look into if you're just randomly snatching kids. Yeah. And that this like there will be so many more episodes about this. I cannot believe I I don't even want to say I feel like there's another thing I found that I feel like no one has addressed when it comes to this theory that I also want to talk about on the next episode. I also found a book written by one of the followers of this dude about uh the game it's called the game caller where did you find the book on fucking google books like oh you can read it online yeah why yeah it was a weird time and there's so many like conspiracy theories about that wave of child kidnappings and like they range from uh really crazy to aliens and satanists to uh kidnappers man who knows yeah there's a lot to lot to look at. Yeah. But uh, we will be back in uh, a week or two. I don't know what's going up next week, but uh, you're going to do the 1993 episode with me, I hope, also. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if we have time to do it today, but... Yeah, I mean, we'll get it. We'll definitely get her done. Yeah. But uh, we will uh, dig into the rest of this uh, finder shit in a lot of detail in the future, not just on Conspiracy the Show, but on this network in general. Uh, I think me and uh, Caitlin Cut are going to do a whole episode just about the founder of the. Fi- he is a fascinating figure. Hell yeah! And I need to know more about him in a way that doesn't get me murdered by the CIA. CIA. 
preferably. Well, well, it's always sort of towing the line. Yeah. Towing the line of not getting murdered and getting murdered. (laughs) That's what we do here. (laughs) Uh, That should be the motto of this podcast. (laughs) Until then, what do we have to plug before we get out of here? Patreon.com slash unpops. You can get bonus episodes of this podcast and all the other podcasts that I co-host. So check that shit out. Uh, That's all I got. Hell yeah. And, uh, you can uh, stay in touch with me on Instagram, Twitter. Uh, it's just my name, Fizza Dasani, at Fizza Dasani, F-I-Z-A-A-D-O-S-A-N-I. And uh, check out my website, thatname.com, FizzaDasani.com. <laughs> and uh, I have a tour, a national tour and a weekly podcast called Facial Recognition Comedy, um, facialrecognitioncomedy.com. And uh, we have a monthly residency here in L.A. the second Sunday of every month at... Um, Oh, and we have a show in New York where we have a monthly show in New York, but with the holidays, the timing's a little wonky. December 20th at 1130 p.m. at New York Comedy Club. Christmas in New York is dope. I know. That's what I'm hearing. So so New York listeners, come out. Come hang. All right. Let's get the fuck out of here, Fizza. Say goodbye. See y'all. Goodbye, everybody. We love you. Stop kidnapping kids. (laughs) 